Welcome everybody to the 13th episode of the Salsa Art Podcast. I'm Jesse, I'm the host and the guy behind the Instagram profile, which you might not have any interest in. But anyway, if you're into comics and movies and video games and sci-fi stuff, you're in the right place. Uh, that's basically what we discuss. A um, little bit of art, but anyway, this episode is going to be titled Miller Time, uh, specifically because we're, I'm going to be delving into uh, the works of Tim Miller and um, Mark Miller. Um, one, I don't have a lot of time, unfortunately, a little pressed for time, but there's a lot I want to, uh, want to tackle today. So we're going to go ahead and start with one of the first things that has become a recent obsession. Uh, last, what was it? Last week we were on spring break. We're out on vacation and stuff. Uh, kids are falling asleep. Wife was checking out the cub stuff because she's from Chicago and that's what they do. Um, looking at stats and stuff. And I, you know, she was like, yeah, watch whatever you want. And I'd heard lots of great things about love, death, and robots. And obviously, you know, it's about telling short stories with different kinds of animation. It's right up my alley. You know, I, I'm a huge fan of, of great storytelling and a huge fan of different animation and different art styles and directions. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'll give this a shot. I checked it out and I just devoured it. Um, the first night I was up till probably almost three in the morning just going like, oh, one more episode, one more thing, one, one more thing that I want to see. And it just, it, I was really blown away by the uh, variety of different art styles, of different directions in terms of story. Um, uh, I'm going to say that I, there's, I'm going to say that there's no real bad stories. I'm sure there's people that are, disagree with me. I've watched some videos of people being like, this, this one was the worst one I've ever seen. And I kind of see the whole thing as incredibly impressive. There was just an amazing feat. Uh, to see these all these different storytellers kind of come together, um, I I believe uh, Tim Miller, the director of Deadpool, is the guy that was like the producer of the whole thing. Um, but it was really cool to see all these different teams of people come together to tell all this huge variety of stories in different ways. And right now, my whole thing is I'm gonna break down all the episodes of like my f- least favorite to my absolute favorite. So if you haven't seen it yet, stop the podcast because there's gonna be lots of spoilers. I'm just gonna go into the whole thing. Um, okay, now I'm gonna go ahead and preface this by saying I'm a big con- I'm a big uh, video game guy, and I think that's probably skewed a lot of my my uh, favorites in this. And you're probably going to notice me saying, like, this reminded me of this video game. And that's why I've given it a higher score than some things. So anyway, let's go with the one that was kind of my least favorite. Um, Again, I want to start off by saying, like, none of these are bad. They're all really great stories. They're all really interesting, a lot of fun. Um, But the one that kind of interested me the least, number 18, for me, was Helping Hand. And the reason for that, I think it just, it might be the fact that it was a little slow for me at the beginning. Um, it's a slow burn, somewhat, you know, for a short story. Um, I mean, they do a really great job building up this tension of you, you know, kind of going like, what the hell is this person going to do next? Uh, in the story, there's an astronaut. She's all up there by herself in, like, the space station. She has to go and make repairs. And as she goes out there, 
like this space debris, a screw goes and just punctures her oxygen tank. And so she's kind of just left there, like have, trying to figure out what the hell she can do. She calls for help, helps like an hour away. She's got like 15 minutes of oxygen and she's got to figure out how in the hell she's going to be able to uh, not only, you know, be saved because the screw kind of knocked her away from the space station. There's no way for her to get to it. Um, she's got to figure out a way to get enough momentum to somehow rescue herself. And one of the things she thinks is like, okay, I'm going to go in and take off my glove. And she goes and um, she takes the strap and, you know, ties around her arm uh, to kind of cut off circulation. And then she takes it off and, like, she's her arm is basically just freezing in the cold space. And she throws it to try and gain enough momentum. But she just, it pushes her enough to get towards the space station, but not close enough for her to actually touch it. In the end, she ends up having to go ahead and just break off her frozen arm in order to gain enough momentum to finally make it back uh, you know and it ends with her not and basically rescuing herself she's missing an arm she's bandaged herself up you know she calls to let people know that she's technically okay and it ends with like a pun or something um overall for me i i don't know i just with so many other really interesting things happening in the series i've you know i saw a lot of crazy stuff building up to this, this episode so for me, it maybe was a little too grounded, which is weird to say. Um, but I kind of felt like it was a mix of gravity meets 127 hours. And in that sense, um, you know, it was in it very interesting story. But overall, it wasn't for me. It just it, it didn't hit any like, whoa, I can't believe that happened. No, it's like I kind of figured that was going to happen. Um, number 17 is Fish Night. And... And the fish night—it um, was hard for me to get into the visuals. It just really reminded me of the old Xbox game thirteen, or like, kind of—I don't know. I—I I don't mean to be insulting, but like a low-budget um, Borderlands sort of thing, where it's—it's it's all cell shaded. You can tell the characters are three D, and it just kind of looks a little wonky to me. Um, there are points where it does look impressive. Uh, in this story, it's two salesmen. You know, the car breaks down in the middle of the desert. And they're just, you know, like, well, what the hell are we going to do? We better just rest until we can, you know, find help or something. And so, they, you know, they're just talking and stuff. And it's a young guy, an old guy. And the old guy's talking about, hey, isn't it crazy how, you know, there's there's ghosts. And if there's ghosts that supposedly live in hot places, you know, there's animals that died here. This used to be an ocean. Why don't those animals haunt this place? And come nighttime, all of a sudden you see these glowing, brilliantly colored spirits just floating around younger guy gets really into it he like goes and like takes off his clothes and jumps into the sky and becomes like one of them ends up being eaten by a megalodon and like there's just like blood kind of in the water but in the air and that's just the end like there's no real explanation as to what the hell happened so for me this kind of loses me on number one like it wasn't really i don't know it's kind of hard to look at but two like the story just kind of sucked um it was very vague. I didn't know what was happening. I wasn't sure what it was trying to say. It was just a weird story, and just it just wasn't satisfying. Um, yeah, it just wasn't wasn't too crazy about it. I had high hopes. I was like, oh, where are they going to go with this? Um, but when they just kind of ended it, it was it just it just left me high and dry. Um, number sixteen was Zima Blue. The art style is definitely very different from the other ones. Um, it's it just kind of reminds me of like an old Art Deco style from like the fifties, and it was an interesting story for sure. Uh, in the story, you've got you know that's about this reporter trying to go and give an interview to this artist who hasn't given an interview in over a hundred years. 
Um, the Ars originally started off as being built as this machine just to build a pool or to clean a pool, and that's its whole thing. Um, you know, as the story progresses, it, the, R, the uh, reporter talks about how the artist originally was doing these great um, landscapes and stuff and was doing all these fantastic, like, um, these, like, uh, I don't know, s space <laughs> paintings, I guess. And then they, the artist started putting uh, this blue square. And then this, it, it started off small and then it got bigger and bigger. And it was always a certain shade of blue until finally, like, it was so large that it was taking up just huge swaths of like the countryside to parts of space and he just kept going bigger and bigger and bigger and um eventually the reporter is like oh you know why are you why are you doing this what's your next thing he's like oh you know my next thing you'll see but let me explain to you who i was and he talks about how you know he started off as that the her his inventor started adding more and more parts to make him more complex and then kind of gave him more sentience and he started to get very good at his job and eventually started, I don't know, he eventually became like a man. Um, and from man, he eventually became a god. He was able to do all these things to himself to make himself be able to go to, like, the coldest of cold places, to be able to walk through lava. Like, there was nowhere he couldn't go. He had access to basically everything. And he just was never satisfied with his work. Um, and he just never satisfied with anything. And so when he finally reveals his last thing, it's a pool. And he jumps in and he disassembles himself basically and just goes back right back to where what he originally was. He leaves all that behind and just take goes back to his you know his humble job of being a pool cleaner. And this, um, it wasn't a bad story at all. It was actually really cool. It was a great metaphor to kind of see like you know the frustrations that an artist might have, and you know how people despite all their success really find happiness in something like as simple as just a job a simple task they do and they do it well um i think it's just the reason why it's so low for me is just again there's a lot of fantastic stories and a lot of fantastic adventures in this series and for me you know it was a very cool story but it just it didn't get me excited um and i blame me watching the first episode in the series to like for kind of spoiling me a little bit um, number 15 is The Dump. The Dump, you kind of you kind of get as soon as it starts. Um, the whole thing is like, there's this guy, he has his dump, he lives there, he's happy to be there. There's this government guy that wants to go and evict him, and he's like, hey, I gotta evict you. And the guy's like, well, you know, before you do that, let me tell you a story, see if I can convince you. And the guy goes on to tell the government person, like, hey... All right, so you know, I was in this dump and I was hanging out with my friend. This monster attacks. We don't. It's made up of all these parts of the junk. It eats my friend. Um, I eventually go and try to finally kill it, and then all of a sudden I notice that there's a dog in there, and then I realize that it it's alive, but it takes on you know parts of whatever it eats, and so my friend's in there, and basically like the old guy is now like the monster's his pet. Monster eats the government guy in the end. Um, it's pretty straightforward. It's kind of what you expect. The uh, animation is pretty fun. Um, I was really impressed with that. Uh, the monster was pretty cool to look at. Uh, but overall, just the story, like it, in terms of um, some of the twists that I saw building up to this episode, it was kind of a letdown to to have this, you know, to have the the sort of twist ending be like, oh, it's his pet, and then he eats the, the government guy. You kind you kind of call it pretty early on. 
that's going to be my criticism with some of these, so I apologize. But yeah, there's some stories that you watch and you're just like, oh, you kind of already know where the thing's going. And um, considering that there are some stories in this where like there's a left turns that you don't expect, um, when you do finally get those turns that you do expect, it can kind of disappoint you a little bit. All right. Um, number 14 for me was alternate histories. This is about like, you know, oh, it's kind of like you're playing a game. And it's an it's a game that lets you go ahead and alter alter history, and then it shows you the the results. And in this case, it's about killing Hitler. Now it talks about killing killing Hitler in different ways at different times. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe it's going to show him like, oh, if you killed Hitler as a baby, this was what's going to happen. If you kill kill him while he's in art school, this is going to happen. If you kill him just as he's about to reach power, this will happen. This is how things will play out. And no, it's basically like. Hitler's coming out of art school, and, you know, there's like a 20-minute span between their the six different points within that 20-minute span that he could die in different ways. And it's funny, and it's humorous, um, but overall, I mean, it's, it's pretty short, and it's not as satisfying as I wish it was. Had it been more like, oh, you know, if you kill him at this point, and there was some factual things behind it, that would have been kind of interesting, to, at least. Um... And, you know, it is kind of funny to go and see the different ways he could have died. And some of the results, such as, like, the rats taking over after humanity kills itself and them building up their own society and eventually following in our footsteps and destroying each other via nu- nuclear war. That was all fun. Uh, but overall, I wasn't totally crazy about it. Um, I just, I don't know, I felt like there was a lot of potential and it just, like, it could have gone places that I wish it did and it just didn't. So, uh, going to number 13 is Ice Age. Uh, this one I thought was a lot of fun. We've seen it before. They've done it in, like, the in, um, like Simpsons. South Park eventually copied that. Um, where, like, there's a tiny little society and, you know, our main characters are watching it as it grows and progresses and everything. And what's cool about this one is it's the only one that has any kind of live action in it. And even better, it's you know, it's got um, Topher Grace in it as well as... Um, I think it was Ashley Elizabeth Winstead. Um, so if you're fans of either of them, it's it's kind of a treat to go and see them. Topher Grace is just being his usual Topher Grace self, which I'm a big fan of. And it's just kind of fun to see their reactions and to kind of see, you know, how things progress. And basically, they this is this couple, they move into a new place. There's an old fridge in there. There's a freezer. And they're like, yeah, let's celebrate. And they have wine. And for some reason, Topher Grace's character puts ice, wants ice cubes in his wine. I don't know. Um, but in one of the ice cubes, he notices that there's a thing. There's a speck in there. And he looks, and it's a woolly mammoth. And they're like, why the hell is there a woolly, woolly mammoth? And they go and look, and they see that there's people in there, tiny little people, and they've got their own little society. And just shows that society kind of go through the industrial age into the modern age, eventually into the future. And then um, eventually, like, they go and the tiny little society just teleports out like i don't know no there's no explanation where they go whether it's a new dimension alternate universe um nothing it's just it's pretty fun to watch and it's it's very interesting and they'll you know they're like well i guess that's that and they unplug it and the next morning they go and they look and they, they kind of hear stuff and it's basically cavemen and they've like taken down a woolly mammoth or something and then there's a t-rex that comes and eats them and I mean, of course, it's historically inaccurate, but it's funny as hell. And it's just, it's always fun to see cavemen and dinosaurs, as wrong as it is. Um, so that one I really liked. It didn't really go anywhere crazy or special, but it was just a lot of fun to watch. 
Number 12 was When the Yogurt Took Over. This was a, I like this one a lot. I think it's one of the shortest ones on there. And basically it's about a, you know, a scientist. They're experimenting with um, like yeast and yogurt or something. And they, one of them takes the yeast home and accidentally creates a sentient yogurt. And the yogurt's incredibly intelligent. Ends up solving a bunch of of, of uh, humanity's problems and everything. Um, and yes, you know, the yogurt's like, hey, you know, I, I have the solution for a lot of your problems in terms of economy and a bunch of the, you know, just the way you guys are running things wrong. I can fix that. You know, you just have to go ahead and surrender your power to me. And, you know, the government does. And so the yogurt comes up with a plan. He's like, you have to follow this to the letter. Don't deviate. Otherwise, terrible things will happen. And so they go ahead and um, as as a bargaining chip, they give him, I think, they give the yogurt like Utah or something. And the politicians go ahead and do it, but they kind of skew it a little bit in their favor. And as a result, everything just goes to hell. Well, meanwhile, Utah is a, just a perfect utopia and everything's great. Eventually, they go back to the yogurt and ask for help again. They, they let the yogurt take over. The yogurt makes this amazing society for all the world. Everyone's rich. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's living a great life. And for whatever reason, the yogurt decides to leave. And they just take off to the skies, destroy a satellite on the way out, and the humans are left to their own devices. And that's kind of the end of it. Um, obviously, there's a metaphor there. <laughs> Where, you know, let's be honest, even if we were given all the best solutions, we'd find a way to screw it up. That's just kind of who we are. Human nature inherently is, you know, selfish. And we all we always find a way to kind of screw things over. I mean, even even today, like, you know, um, <laughs> we just we lack a lot of empathy for people, for people that are in need and stuff. And it's just really sad. Uh, but overall, it was a it was a pretty funny one, and one of the things I really liked about it was the animation style. The animation style um, was like a really smooth. Uh, I I don't know. It's it's hard to explain, but it was probably the most cartoony of all of them. Um, and it was just it was a lot of fun. It was a very whimsical style. It's three D animation, uh, but they made it seem very. I don't know. It just kind of reminded me of a children's book. So it was pretty cool. All right, number 11 is The Witness. I've been back and forth about this one because here's the thing. it's The Witness is a gorgeous short film that they've made. I love the style of it. Um, it just really blew me away with in terms of like, there are points where you're watching it and I could have swore they just put in a live action person because the animation is just that smooth and that good. And they've thrown these little, um, these little graphics that make it kind of seem like you're actually reading a comic book. It reminds me a little bit of the Spider-Verse in that sense where there'll be sound effects or something or um, the villain in, in, the, in the short film becomes like a monster briefly and looks like a cartoon. Um, the things I kind of have to fault it on is the premise. Just it's... Basically, uh, there's a young woman. I guess she's like an exotic dancer or something. She's trying to get ready. She hears a noise. She looks outside, and I think it's like a gunshot. And she looks, and there's a dude, and the dude is has just killed somebody. It's pretty clear. And as he looks down, he sees that the girl that is looking at him through the window is also the same girl that he's killed. And so all of a sudden, he freaks out, dashes after her. They chase, she chase, or he chases her throughout the entire city to try and find her. Um, they go into like this this uh, CD sex place where like there's people dressed in latex and stuff, and overall, you know, eventually they wind up back at I guess his apartment or something. Like she tries to lock herself in, keep herself safe. 
he goes over there. I think she pulls out a gun or he pulls out, I can't remember who. Um, but basically at the end, she ends up shooting him and killing him. And then all of a sudden, I guess she hears a noise outside. She looks and from the same window she was in is the guy that she just killed looking at her and freaking out. And then she freaks out and it's, it's this whole loop. And I kind of felt like that was basically what was going to happen. I was like, okay, either this is a dream, or that's a clone, or it's going to be this loop thing. And that's exactly what it was. It was a loop thing. Um, so as beautiful as it was, the concept of it, you know, I mean, it was interesting to see the chase and stuff, and it was exciting. But overall, the twist just didn't really do it for me. And that's why, even though it's a great film, it's kind of it's on the lower end for me. Uh so let's see. Going to next one would be Sucker of Souls. <coughs> Excuse me, uh, Sucker of Souls. This I loved because it reminded me of like a D and D campaign gone wrong. Uh, you got this scientist. He's got his assistant. And he's recruited these mercenaries to go and explore this tomb. Um, as they do, they accidentally uncover what appears to be Dracula. Dracula kills the assistant. Ends up turning into this big beastly monster, which is a pretty cool little thing um they add some they add some new rules to the vampire lore which is pretty interesting uh the first thing being like once the once the vampire feeds they turn into like this beast looking thing now uh, the other thing is that for some reason the um the vampires hate cats if they eat cats they like burn alive from the inside or something so they're not into cats uh so what ends up happening is you know um the mercenaries, there's there's three of them all together. The two of them are kind of hanging back and waiting for instructions, and one of them is with the main the main like archaeologist. And you know, as the assistant gets killed, they start freaking out because obviously like none of their weapons are working. Um, they run through the caverns and stuff. They um, the main mercenary tries to go and tell the other guys like, hey, we need to come up with a plan. There's a vampire. Shit's real. Uh, the things are afraid of cats. The guy's carrying around a cat for part of it. Um, and yeah <laughs> um overall like the characters they they did a really great job of kind of fleshing out the characters um of making you kind of get the gist of who they are and the way that it ends is with them eventually like blowing up who they who they thought was dracula they escape into this other room and in that room it turns out to be a huge cavern filled with other vampires and so it just goes black and you hear them getting killed and it kind of sucks because you know you want more and I think that's probably one of the best things I can say about the the short film is you wish there was more. You wanted to see more of these characters and you wanted to see more of what was going to happen next. Um, and the reason why I felt like it was kind of like a D&D campaign is just because the mercenaries themselves are hilarious. They're not really taking this incredibly dangerous situation too seriously and they end up fucking themselves. And if you've ever played D&D, there's a pretty good chance at some point you fucked yourself or you fucked over your entire crew by doing something stupid. It's just part of the game. So that's one of the reasons I love that a lot. All right. Next up is Blind Spot. Blind Spot is a story of – it's kind of hard to tell exactly what's going on. Um, they don't give you a whole lot of context. It It's basically like there's these robots um, or androids or whatever, and they're sentient and whatever, and they're trying to go and rob this train. Um, there's something on the train that they want. I can't remember exactly what it is, but the whole thing is them trying to get this this whole thing. And there's a rookie robot that you're that's kind of like your guy. That's the person you're supposed to be, and he they're introducing him into this whole world. And what ends up happening is, um, you, you know, really quickly you kind of get this vibe of like a Saturday morning cartoon, and that quickly goes away, and we start hearing them cussing and stuff, and like you start noticing them getting killed 
Like that's the one of the craziest parts is you see these characters and they're really badass and stuff, but one by one, like this squad of like five robots or four robots are getting killed while the rookie is just freaking the hell out. It's like holy, holy shit, this dude just died. And this other guy that like that was saving me all this time is fucking gone. What am I gonna do? Uh, whole thing like just culminates and eventually like the uh, the rookie robot being the only one that survives and he ends up finding the chip and he starts he's just like he doesn't know what to do with himself and uh, their backup finally arrives it's like this van and I'm um, like well you did a great job and you know the, the rookie's just like down like they're all they're all dead they're gone what the hell am I gonna do and out of the van comes this like hologram and it's his team and it's like do you really think we that's we're not dead that's not how it works we always upload our brains before we go out on a mission so we never actually die and the rookie's like oh and it's, you know obviously it's a fun twist and the animation the style the way that the team is comprised totally reminds me of like an old saturday morning cartoon the way you expect it to be but it's got a very grown-up twist to it and I would just love... This is a short film that I would love to see more of. Um, as we're going down the list, basically a lot of it is... is, the, is they, they do a great job of making you be like, there's got to be more. I want more of this. Um, all right. After after Blind Spot is Shapeshifters. I thought this one was cool. This one was about werewolves being part of the army party or part of the Marines or something. And they're well-known. They're in Iraq, and they're being used to try and hunt the enemy. Um, in this one, you know, there's two werewolves, and they're doing their best to try and help out their squad, but the people around them don't trust them. They don't like them. They don't want them around. Um, so they end up sending his buddy that's a werewolf off with another um, another group of soldiers. Those soldiers end up getting just eviscerated. And at first they think, oh, you know, maybe it was more guy, but they end up finding that other werewolf guy, and they realized, no, you know, this was a werewolf that was able to ambush our own and take out our entire base of guys. And they end up going through the village. Our main character is trying to sniff out where the werewolf is, and he finds them. But he doesn't say anything to his, his troop or, all, or, or any of his guys. And so it was like the, um, the guy in charge is like, oh, did you find anything? And our main character is like, mm, no, didn't see anything. We got to go back. Night comes, and this dude decides to go off by himself and goes hunting for these werewolves, ends up finding them, and a battle takes place, and he gets majorly fucked up. Uh, I think he's, like, missing an eye at one point. His arm's all, like, one of his arms mangled. Um, his stomach's almost torn open and stuff. And eventually it turns out that it's not just, you know, one werewolf. It was actually two of them. Dude ends up killing both, which is fantastic. And um, he heads back, and he's, like, naked and just beaten up. He's slowly healing. You can see it, That's kind of the cool thing is you can see that, you know, just because he's got these injuries, it doesn't really take him out of the game. Um, <clears throat> and so comes back, and the sergeant is is like, what the hell happened? And he's like, oh, I, you know, I took out the werewolves. And, and the uh, the main guy, or his, the main guy in charge of him is just upset. It's like, you don't need, you know. I don't know. Basically, nobody um, appreciates what the guy did. And he calls him an animal or something. And so the main character is like, you know what? Then here, take your leash. Takes off his dog tags and hands it to him and just starts walking away. He grabs his, his buddy's body and starts walking away. So um, I thought it was really cool. It would have been really neat to explore that more. Um, as I was watching, I was like, all right, so they got werewolves. I wonder how, if there's any other, you know, supernatural 
you know, people or whatever uh, elements that might also be in that world. So um, I was a fan of this one. I saw that not a lot of people liked it. I thought the animation was great. It's more realistic. I mean, there are points where it looks like a PS4 game, which isn't terrible, but um, there is sort of a video game feel to it. Uh, but overall, I thought it was great, and I would have loved to explore that world a little bit more. Number seven is Good Hunting. This one, I I really just loved. I loved the lore of it. I loved the animation style. It's a 2D animation style, um, and the story itself was just great. Uh, in in the story, you've got this this guy, and his dad is is like a hunter of evil spirits, and he's hunting this like fox lady who supposedly has you know stolen the heart of a man who's just obsessed with her and you know he's hunting her and stuff and they finally make it back to their den and the dad's like hey keep a lookout for for her and he comes he's like okay cool and he accidentally finds a cub and he captures it and finally like she turns into you know half half human half fox and she's like why are you hunting us he goes oh because of what you guys do you guys go and steal the hearts of men to make them obsessed with you and she goes that's not what we do I mean, they see us and they become obsessed with us. We don't. That's not intentional. We don't want that. It's just the longer they're they when they see us, they become obsessed with us. They when they're away from us, they become driven insane. It's that's not something we want. And all of a sudden, like he begins to empathize with her and he starts to kind of see her point of view. And um, all of a sudden, like she hears his dad coming and hides. And she, you know, the dad's like, "Oh, did you see any pups?" And he lies and says, "No, I'm sorry, I didn't see anything." Um, and. It's, and eventually, you know, his dad catches up to the mom and beheads the mom and kills her. Um, all the while, you know, the the pup, the who is like a teen girl, uh, is watching and unfortunately witnesses this whole thing. And our main character, sorry, I don't remember names. It was like, like I said, I binged the whole thing. Um, our main character, you know, just feels really bad. And, and they kind of show as the years go on, like the father passes away. The main character is taking care of the pup. It was, it was, I can't remember her name, but she's like a teen girl. And they show kind of the progression as, um, as all of a sudden, like, English colonizers come and they start bringing all this technology, trains start coming, and all of a sudden, like, it becomes more about, like, robotics. Um, eventually, the entire city becomes, you know, very, very modern. And instead of becoming, like, a spirit hunter, because, like, as they're bringing all this technology, you know, spiritual um, beings become weaker all of a sudden magic is weakening and stuff there's not really magic anymore and the pup now has to go and go into prostitution basically and just she just charms people she's not actually doing prostitution um, but that's how she makes her money but eventually there becomes this guy who's just obsessed with robots and the only he could get off was with a robot and so he ends up having her as a prostitute knocks her out, drugs her, and replaces her body parts with robotic parts so that way he can get off. Um, She goes and finds the main character and, you know, asks for help. And he does what he can to go ahead and help her to, um, (laughs) sorry, to help her become like what she was before. He replaces all these body parts where now she can transform between a woman and a fox again like she used to. Um, and now her whole thing is like she, she's able to go and jump on the rooftops and um, hunt these guys, anyone that's bad, and she that's who she goes after and that's who she kills. And this, the, um, the short film ends with her going and watching as these three guys are about to go and rape this woman. But before they can, um, they all of a sudden see the silhouette of this fox that's standing like 
with all these tails um, on a, you know, on a rooftop and then jumps at them and basically is about to kill them all. Um, I just thought this story was fantastic. It was a lot of fun to go ahead and see the, the relationship between these two. It was kind of cool that they didn't delve into a, like a romantic relationship because that's not what it was. Um, and it kind of, I don't know, it, it showed more of a heart for the main character to not be like, oh, you know, there's a romantic partner. And, you know, they saw them more, they saw themselves as friends and trying to help each other, um, despite the fact that they had obviously come from very different backgrounds. Um, overall, it was just a great story. It was one of the few where I was actually satisfied at the end, where I didn't, was like, okay, good, I got what I wanted. Didn't really need to delve too much more into it. I mean, it would have been cool to kind of see what other spirits are out there and prior to you know, all that progress coming in. Um, but overall, it was great. Number six is Suits. I love Suits. Holy balls. I didn't know what to expect. This is one of the reasons, this is one of the films that really kind of defines what's so great about Love, Death, and Robots. It's the fact that as the story goes, you're picking up more and more pieces. Like, they don't tell you everything outright. Um, as you're watching, all of a sudden you're seeing, you know, certain things. You're like, hey, you know, it might look like a regular farm, but certain things are off. Why are there robots? Why is there this? Why are there, why is there that? And as the story progresses, you start to figure things out. Um, in this case, what happens is, yeah, they've got a farm. Everything's cool. Um, but for some reason, they've got these giant mechs. You're like, why the hell would they need a giant mech? Turns out there's these these portals that open up, and there's just these savage like insect like monsters that just come and destroy goddamn everything, and they're killing. Um, they're mainly just killing livestock, and they'll, they'll kill people. And so we see all these farmers kind of coming together to try and help each other out, because it's it's very easy to become overwhelmed. And really quickly, you see all these distinct farmers um, with these great personalities, and they're really easy to kind of love very quickly, and you grow attached to them, and it's very fun to kind of see them work together. Um, the animation style is phenomenal. It's it's something like out of a storybook in the best way possible, um, and I it, it just really kind of threw me for a loop to kind of see what kind of world it was, and just when you think you kind of get where things are going from... The camera pulls out all the way to kind of show you the entirety of the planet that they're on. And what you see is that it looks like a satellite planet. And all those monsters are a majority of the planet. And you see these little bubbles of just green pastures. And that's where these farmers live. And there's several of them. So it's just the whole world that they've made is just so weird, but it's so interesting. Um, easily one of my top, top um, short films in the series. Number five is Beyond the Aquila Rift. Uh, one, the first thing I have to say is this, the animation of this is just gorgeous. Um, I was really blown away. There are points where I was like, man, this really does look like they, they just have actors on there. And of course there are points where it just looks kind of like, a little bit like a video game. Uh, the story itself is kind of interesting. The, for me, the main reason I liked it was it really brought to me like Mass Effect and Dead Space vibes. Um, the twist is kind of interesting you sort of get an idea that definitely something's wrong it's that part's not too confusing um but i know i kind of don't want to go into it too much i mean if you haven't seen if you want if you're listening this far you've seen it but um it just it just really surprised me the way they kind of messed with the viewer's head as to like what's real what's not uh, when the crewmates are kind of being like oh this person that you're you know that's rescued us she's not right there's something very off about her and him kind of delving into that uh, the main character kind of delving into it and stuff um for me i mean the 
the main reasons I loved it, it was just kind of fun to kind of see that tension of, um, of like what's real and what's not. It was really fun to watch the animation of it all. Um, and it was just a lot of fun to kind of try and guess what the ending was. And the ending was just, ugh. um, the twisting was really good. And I wasn't really sure exactly what the, um, the alien's intention was because the alien when it you know was doing these this sort of um this illusion where it made itself appear to be like a, a beautiful woman um it didn't seem to want to kill the character it almost seemed like it wanted to give the character what it wanted and just kind of keep it under the spell and i wasn't sure exactly why because it could have easily just outright killed the characters um especially the main character and it just looks like it it exists mainly to just mess with people, and maybe that's how, where how it gets its fun. Um, it's it's pretty ambiguous to me. I don't know. Maybe you guys have watched it and have a better idea of exactly what the intentions were of the alien at the end. Um, but overall, completely blown away. It was it was just I loved it. Number four is let me see the Secret War. Okay, this one I I admit. I love it because it looks like the beginning of a fantastic video game. Um, the story itself is about these Russian soldiers, and at first you're kind of like, are these the good guys? Are these the bad guys? Um, you go and you see that you know this entire village has just been decimated, just people torn to pieces. You're wondering like, what the, who the hell would do this? You're wondering if maybe it's soldiers that are just horrible or something. Um, it turns out it's these things called ghouls, and they're somewhat similar to the to like a more realistic version of the monsters that I saw in suits and um it, the violence in here is just intense um they really kind of go for it they show people like losing limbs and stuff people like getting hacked in half um overall the action just is awesome and it's a lot of fun to watch the relationship between the soldiers and you know there's father-son relationship that wasn't really spoken about too much um until nearly the end and it's just it's it's kind of inspiring at the end to go and see these guys do this last stand to try and take out this problem that's been killing tons of people. Um, in the end, you know, you see these planes finally come over over the skies and just bomb the hell out of these monsters. Um, but I just thought, you know, it's a short. It's it was a really good self-contained story, and obviously it would have been a lot of fun to kind of explore the world of of that they made a little bit more. But. Overall, it was really satisfying, and, you know, if they decide someday make a game of it, I would 100% would love to play it. I mean, you know, it, you know, a, um, yeah, <laughs> a period piece horror game would be pretty interesting. Um, let's see here. Number three is Lucky 13. This one I really loved. Uh, it just, it reminded me of Halo, and I know this is, again, my, my opinion's being skewed because I'm a video gaming fan. Um, but it just kind of reminded me of, of uh, Halo when you're going in into the Pelican and stuff. Um, and some of the scene, some of the uh, levels in Halo Reach. Um, but what it mainly reminded me of is actually the book, uh, Fall of Reach by Eric Nyland. It was uh, one of the f first Halo books I'd read. And I, you know, uh, I, I loved the games before, but reading Eric Nyland's book really made me understand exactly what Master Chief is going through and stuff and the bond that they have. And that's kind of what I felt when watching this was uh, you're watching the main character and you see her as she's explaining, you know, her relationship with her ship. And it's a lot of fun kind of seeing it develop and how kind of seeing her maneuvers and stuff. Um, 
I love the animation of it, and I just I loved the way that they kind of portray the ship. The ship definitely had its own personality. It had its own heartbeat, um, and it was interesting to kind of see the two bond. And you can see that there was definitely an emotional connection between the American character and the ship. Um, I'm sure that anyone that's ever probably, you know, even if it's something like a police officer with a police car or something, you know, I'm sure you do form a bond with that, you know, it's not just equipment, it's a part of you, it's a part of, you know, your duty, it's, it, it has a personality of its own. And it was very cool to see a short film kind of explore that. Um, number two is three robots it's the second <laughs> it was the second episode i watched and i just love the characters i love the character designs about these three robots exploring basically taking a tour of post-apocalyptic america and it's them kind of trying to figure out exactly what we as humans did and their takes on like on their hypothesis on like what we were doing with basketballs what we were doing in diners and stuff and it's just hilarious the commentary that they make um I I I feel weird keeping it so short at, you know, because it's number two. You'd think I'd be able to go on and on and on. Um, but all I can really say is they just made these really great, fun characters that you just wanted to watch more of. They were they were hilarious, and it's also kind of, you know, funny to go and see how, the ways that they kind of make fun of our own culture and stuff um, and how they talk about our end. And initially, you think you understand how it is that humans ended up screwing themselves over. Um, but there's a little twist at the end that makes it even more fun. And, yeah, I just loved it. And number one for me was Sunny's Edge. This was the first film I saw. Um, you know, like I said, I heard great things about this whole series. And I wasn't really sure what to expect. And this really set the tone for me. Um, Sunny's Edge... The an the animation was gorgeous. It was completely beautiful. I love the world that they made. I love the fact that they had these like fight, you know, these underground fighting things, these monsters that they've genetically engineered. Um, there's this whole culture that they have. This the main character's got this really interesting backstory. It's very tragic, and you see why it is that she fights and stuff. She talks about her fear, um, and also just when it was actually the actual fight scene that was mind-blowing I, I just couldn't take my eyes off the screen because it was so fun to see these creatures that they've created and all the, di the different ways that they could fight because you have this one really agile fighter and then when the one that's um not one that's just very you know kind of brutal and just a big like i don't know barbarian basically just wanting to smash everything you see these two different fighting styles going head to head um the i don't know like i said I went in this not knowing what to expect. I didn't read any of the descriptions for each of the episodes just because I wanted to be surprised. And this one was a great surprise. I mean, every little bit as it leads you into this world makes you want to know more and more and more. And the more they give you, the more you're kind of blown away. Because initially it starts off with just like, there's this truck and it's going in. And the guy's got like a, a um, black light that goes and shines and you see this secret thing, secret uh, logo of the, um, the group. And as you go in, all of a sudden... You know, there's these the, the three characters are being hit up by the guy that's running the whole event, telling them to take a fall. You're like, what the hell is she gonna fight? Like, why is she gonna fight? Um, eventually, you go and see that it's actually these these genetically engineered fighting monsters, basically. And then you go and watch the fight, and you see that they're connected, and um, the monsters being controlled um, mentally, which is really cool. Uh, eventually, somehow, despite being impaled our main character's monster ends up living and so you know um 
the guy that's running the whole thing obviously loses a bunch of money. He's got this girl. The girl appears to be in trouble. At the end, the girl goes to our main character and is like, you know, oh, I wish I could leave. I admire her courage. Ends up, turns out that she's, in fact, genetically modified as well. She ends up basically turning her her nail, her hands into blades, puts them right through the main character's head. The main character's still able to talk, though, somehow. So you got this twist where, you know, this help, apparently helpless girl is, in fact, a monster herself. But it turns out that Sunny was never actually in that body. When she was being, when she had been attacked initially, her body was too damaged. Her mind was the only thing they could really salvage, and they put it into the monster. And it turns out that just when um, the the guy running the event and the girl think that they've got the upper hand, the monster busts out, and <laughs> basically it ends with with uh, Sunny holding the event, the guy running the event in her tail. So. It was just gorgeous. I love that it was a twist and then another twist. I love the world that they built. I wanted to know more about it. I wanted to see more fights. Um, overall, this <laughs> that episode just really defined what this series was going to be for me. And so as I was going through, I was really just kind of more and more blown away by all these different directions they took. Um, I just love the whole anthology that they created. And I cannot wait for them to make another one. And yeah. Um, that's my review for that. Oh my god, I went on way longer than I intended. Alright, we will be moving on to the next section in just a bit. Okay, we're going to move on to the second part of this podcast, <clears throat> where I was going to talk about Mark Miller. Uh, before I do, um, there's something I totally forgot I wanted to address in the, lo- the first section. Um, <clears throat> real quick, sorry about the audio. Um, I'm I'm recording this last section at night, which means I'm in the bathroom, um, and I've got the light on, which unfortunately means there's a fan on, so that's what's going on. <clears throat> um, but one of the things I noticed while looking at some of the rankings for um, Love, Death, and Robots is there were a lot of complaints about the series being overly sexual, um, <clears throat> a lot of nudity and stuff, and. At first, I was like, you know, is that a fair criticism? But after thinking back to it, like, there is a lot of nudity, and a lot of it, there, there are moments where it definitely feels like it's nudity for the sake of nudity, um, where it doesn't really add anything to the story. Um, a lot of penises, <laughs> you gotta, you know, just a little fair warning for that. Um, and uh, in particular, the witness, is, I mean, the main character that you're following is nude almost the entire time. Um, there's a lot of very sexual scenes and whatnot uh some of it makes sense um but some of it kind of just seems like it's there just to be like look what we can do so um i just felt like it was something that needed to be addressed but anyway moving on to the next section i wanted to talk about mark miller if you're not aware of who mark miller is um many of his works he's a comic book writer have been turned into huge movies such as like kingsman secret service um kick-ass wanted um, those are just a few, and most recently Netflix um, <clears throat> inked a deal with him to turn a lot of his works into you know films and television shows, which is really exciting. And I didn't really know too much about him. Um, I just I kept hearing great things. I was watching The Flash, and they did this whole thing with um, like an alternate reality where you know like Supergirl's bad. There's all these bad versions of the heroes, and it, <clears throat> and Kevin Smith had talked about it on his podcast about it being. Uh, a little bit like Red Sun. I was like, oh, you know, I keep hearing about Red Sun. Might as well check it out. 
I read I read it and I just absolutely loved it. I loved this alternate take on the character. It wasn't at all like what I was expecting. Um, I was expecting it to be more like you know he lands in Russia, um, is raised to be like an evil Russian guy and just tries to go and take over the world and he's clearly a villain. Um, but they kind of show that the core of Superman is still there. He's still a decent guy. He wants to do what's right. Uh, his ideals are different because he has been raised differently. But for the most part, the core of who Superman is is still intact. And so it's kind of interesting to see, you know, Superman, he has these different beliefs, but he's still trying to help everybody. And he's still trying to um, <clears throat> do whatever he can to try and save as many people as possible. And he doesn't really care if you're, you know, an American citizen or Russian citizen. So it was really interesting to see them explore that and to see what would exactly happen. Uh, an alternate take on Batman was interesting, and overall it was just it was very cool to read, and it made me want to go and check out what some of the other things he did. And I read that he did Old Man Logan. I was like, okay, I love the movie Logan. I know it was based on this. I've got to read this and check it out. And the comic itself was just completely insane but so much damn fun it's just such a fun ride to go and see and it's at the same time really tragic to see what it becomes of you know all these heroes that we know and love um <clears throat> i just was really blown away i'm like okay so i've read this dc stuff i've read his marvel stuff i think it's time to kind of check out what else he's done you know what things that aren't really you know connected to the big two and so that kind of led me down to a, a book called reborn and Reborn, the whole concept of this was uh, there's a woman, she's dying and stuff, and um, as she dies, she goes into this new world. Like she's she is reborn into this new world and people are expecting her, and she's young again. And all these people that were in her life before are in this world as well, but it's something different. Um, it's more of a fantasy world. Uh, she gets to actually reunite with her father. Her father is like this big, burly knight, and not much older than she is, really. And you see them kind of go and bond and stuff. And um, he tries to go ahead and guide her and help her to fulfill a prophecy. And she's haunted by this um, by this thing that happened in her actual life that eventually does carry over into her new life. Um, overall, I was really blown away with the concept of the way that he did it. Uh, it was really interesting to see what happens to a character. One of her friends who is incredibly religious and um, when she finds herself in this new life, the way that she reacts to it was very very interesting um and i was like okay that's three for three this guy is just killing it and then i checked out superior superior at first i was like is this kind of like shazam it has a very shazam feel where you know a kid is basically very very sick and he's given the opportunity to become this hero that he admires it's a fictional hero in their universe and he's able to become that it's very cool to go and see this kid try and save the world and stuff, dealing with the powers. He's got his friend that's trying to help him out. And then there's a twist to it, which I wasn't expecting. And it was just so damn fun to read. Um, after that, I, I checked out two more, Nemesis. To me, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I thought it was going to be like an evil take on Batman. And um, it kind of is. Um, it's really dark. It's very violent. Uh, if uh, that's one thing I've noticed is like he's um, Mark Miller is not afraid to shy away from violence, and um, but he just he it's not violence for violence sake. It's kind of interesting to see the cruelty of the main character and what he's capable of and what he wants to do and what his his purpose is. 
and it's just it's very very twisted um i don't know where mark miller gets his ideas <laughs> but i can definitely see why he stays and stays being so successful like the guy just has these crazy ideas but they're always fun to read um and then the, one of the last ones i read was american jesus and this is the whole thing where there's this kid nothing really special kind of stupid really he's failing his classes and then all of a sudden like he just has these powers he's able to heal people he's able to have all this information and so he's trying to deal with you know be basically being like a messiah and the town's slowly coming around and um some of the people in his life that have a hard time dealing with it in particular there's a priest that doesn't want to believe that he is who he says he is and so the entire book you kind of see like him developing his powers his relationship with the, with his family with the town and how that all develops and once again there's a great twist to it where it just kind of threw me for a loop and it's just so damn good um so if you never read mark miller's stuff um like i've been i'm very behind with comics i know the names and stuff i'm aware of some of the things that people have done but i've i'm still just trying to catch up uh thankfully there's an app called hoopla so if you've got a library card you're able to use hoopla and check out comic books and books and movies and audiobooks and music totally free you can do eight titles a month and it's awesome uh the media like the cds and stuff are for seven days and comic books and books are for 21 days and that's kind of how i was able to catch up with uh, mocking dead that's how i was able to read some some of the more recent spider-man comic books um uh the 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 comics that i read i just went and grabbed from the library it's actually pretty impressive the amount of uh, graphic novels that are available so um yeah if you're, if you're someone that like you know cash is can be a little bit tight but you still want to be able to be caught up in comics or at least read some of the really good ones add to your library and then if you've got a library card already get hoopla um there's also another app i forgot what it's called um but yeah there's there's a ton of apps where if you've got a library card you can actually check out a ton of great stuff and get caught up and get inspired you know especially if you're a writer or an artist and you're looking for some inspiration that's a great way to go so um yeah and that's that's it for this section and i think after that i'm just going to close it with one little final thing um see you in a bit Okay, I want to close this podcast out with uh, something I don't normally do, which is talking about art, um, the art that I do. Uh, just, I don't know, because I'm doing something I'm not normally comfortable with. I was recently commissioned to do a landscape, and I was like, oh, you know, should be too hard, right? Landscapes. I wasn't a fan of them when I was taking art classes back in the day, but I felt like, I felt comfortable enough. I've done enough with, like, watercolor and stuff, but... Um, I, I was watching stuff online, and I was like, oh, pastel seems interesting. Or not pastel. Is it pastel? Oh, shit. Acrylic paint. I'm working with acrylic paint. I was like, oh, well, this could be interesting. So I've been trying to work with um, with this, these acrylic paints and stuff. I got a canvas. I'm feeling pretty good. And I take my first shot, and it's goddamn awful. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing wrong? I watch some more tutorials, read some stuff online about how to do it, and... Um, second try is a little bit better, not that great, but it's, it's getting there. Do another try, getting closer, understanding shadows more, um, and finally I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch The Master. And I go and go on Netflix, and I put on 
Bob Ross, and I'm watching this guy. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch it first. I'm going to see what his techniques are. And obviously the first thing I noticed is he's not using acrylic paint. He's – I'm not exactly sure what he's doing. Uh, he's talking about how his canvas is already wet, and I didn't research that at all about why that would be. And when I'm watching him, I'm like, it's got to apply, right? It's got to be somewhat similar. And the dude just makes it simple. He does this fantastic landscape, 20 minutes, knocks that thing out. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm ready to go. I'm going to do this. So I've got Bob Ross going on in the background. I'm, I'm watching. I'm gonna, my goal is to watch the same episode over and over as I'm doing this. And I'm going to just magically absorb his skills as I'm doing it. And I'm going. And there are points where I'm feeling good. And I'm like, all right, I'm getting this. I'm getting the vibe. Like, it's this is not looking at all like what's happening on screen. But I'm, I believe I can make this work. And I'm doing these crisscross, like, brushes, strokes, and stuff. And um, as I'm going on, I'm like, I'm just getting more and more frustrated because I'm realizing, like, this is turning out really bad. This is turning out not good at all. And I'm this is not as good as I hoped. It's better than the last three tries, but... I am not currently Bob Ross at the moment, and I, it kind of sucked because it's one of those moments where you're doing your absolute best, and you're giving it your all, and it's just not enough, um, and that's something that, you know, occurs when I'm doing art a lot, a lot of the time, where, like, you know, there'll be points where I'm feeling good, like I've got a grasp on it, and there'll be points where I'm like, I can't get past this point. This is as good as I can do at this moment, and it just kills me. And you know, you just kind of push past. Um, so, you know, finally, I'm working on it. I'm doing. I'm adding little details. I'm at. You know, I'm going over things over and over. Where I'm adding more and more things, trying to make it look better. It still looks iffy. It does not look at all like the stuff I've seen in, in videos of what people have been able to do with acrylic paint. And it's just, it's kind of disappointing. And um, finally I finish it. I'm like, you know what? This is decent. Out of 10, I'd give this a 6. Um, it's a commission. Um, but the person that I'm giving it to, I think, is still going to enjoy it. Um, because I've, I've, you know, I've been tasked with this commission for about a week. And I've been doing lots of practice works. And, you know, unfortunately, this is the best I can. But they wanted something from me. And um, I'm like, you know what? This is okay. Then I remember they asked that there be a rainbow in the landscape. And I'm like, okay, this could turn out really nice or this could turn out really bad. And I just was like, you know, I'm just going to go for it. Looked up the colors of the the order of the rainbow colors, which I should know because as an artist, you should probably know that, but I don't know it. So I did it, did my best to try and get it as even as possible. And it looks basically like a junior high's art project. It. Like the rainbow, like it looked good before, and now it just looks like I don't know. I'm just hoping that whoever that the person I gave it to still enjoys it. I'm going to give them the practice ones as well. They're like tiny little um, canvases. Hopefully, they enjoy it. Uh, but the whole point of this rant is just like letting you know uh, if you're an artist, um, you hopefully you know that feeling of like you're trying something new and that feeling of frustration just like you're not alone um i've been doing watercolor for about a year and a half or two years thanks to my wife and my friend victor who encouraged me and i feel like i've gotten a pretty good handle on it after so long of like you know doing it um so i like an idiot i was like oh it can't be too different right going from watercolor to acrylic no it's freaking whole other worlds for me 
Um, afterward, I saw some paint left over. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do a Hellboy. I sketched out a Hellboy. I was like, this looks like a dope-ass Hellboy. Can't wait to go ahead and paint this. Try painting it. It just, I trashed it. It was terrible. So, I'm still going to try. Um, the funny thing is, like, as much as I hate landscapes, uh, the more I did them, the more I started to dig them. And the more I was like, oh, cool. Got an idea more of shape, of how light's supposed to play on certain things. Um, and now when I, I'm like driving and stuff and I'm looking at trees, I'm like, how would I do that tree? Okay. Well, dark, dark little smudge. And then, you know, lighter colors on top to make the, like, it's weird. It's like that episode of the Simpsons where Marge is drawing like crazy and she sees Homer running and all of a sudden Homer just turns into a bunch of spheres and pipes and, you know, a bunch of different shapes and stuff. Basically that's what's happening. So I'm just going to close out this podcast by letting you know I'm trying something new and I'm failing at it, but I'm going to keep at it. And hopefully if you're trying something new, you're going through the same thing. You keep at it as well. We can fail together, but slowly we'll get better. That's the hope. So thanks for listening. And all like six or seven of you, more of you drop off every week. <laughs> I don't know. I got to figure out what I'm doing. I got to figure out how to change that. But I'm open to suggestions. Anyway, thanks, guys. And have a good one.